podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, news, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action with the most country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mall Over Podcast. We are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our content on Anchor and Apple Pods and all other podcast establishments. Uh, I am joined, not quite in person um, anymore. I think we've all seen far too much of each other uh, (laughs) over the last weekend um, by uh, the Lensman, who's now back in in beautiful Amersham, uh, following his weekend in Cornwall. How how was your your week in Cornwall, Doug? Uh, It was... Brilliant. Fantastic week. Awesome. I'm also joined by uh, the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting who may or may not have uh, drank quite a bit of beer on Saturday night, Ben Eustace. Hi, Russ. Are you well? I did. Yeah, I'm okay now. Yeah. Just uh, treading carefully at home. (laughs) And we're also joined by everyone's... um, Everyone's favourite rugby tactician, uh, manager on the day, um, man who went from crutches to no crutches to back on crutches on several occasions during Saturday. Managed, managed to gain the nickname Kaiser Soze. <laughs> yeah, he did <laughs> gain the nickname Kaiser Soze. Uh, the farm vet, Phil Elkins, Mr. Hanson, well, housewife's favourite. The, uh, the crutches were very much needed yesterday. Um, and yeah, for anybody who did watch the live video of my halftime team talk, I didn't really mean it. Uh, I'm sure the guy's got a lovely face. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you say, did you say stamp on his face or kneel on his face? I, I said, I said, could somebody please tackle that nine? And when he's down, drop a knee on him. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, the facial area. these, these, these things happen sometimes in, in the heat of battle, um, before we before we talk about any um, before we talk about any Premiership rugby, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think one person that's listening to this podcast has got any interest in us talking about Premiership rugby when all they really want to talk about for a minute is the Mall Over Invitational. Now, before um, before we go into any depth about the Mall Over Mall Over Invitational. I want to just play you this from longtime listener, friend of the pod, Eddie Stevens, who took time out of his busy uh, Albuquerque schedule, um, building gyms and telling jokes. I mean, I don't even know where he's doing that at the moment, but he, he, he took the time out to give us a, a motivational speech to get us, to get us going, to fire us up before, before the game. So uh, let's just have a quick listen to to what we played before the game. Hi, team all over. It's me, Eddie Stevens, uh, your friend and lover. I'm out here in New Mexico at a bullshit hour. It's well after midnight, my time. And uh, I was getting ready for bed and Russ Milsom interrupted sent me a message um and when i say getting ready for bed yes i mean i was trying to look at porn 
and I got a message from him and that threw me off completely asking me to give you uh to send you some kind of motivational team talk that's what this is supposed to be so I have to it seems a bit unfair uh that I should be interrupted at that point and then have to motivate a bunch of men some of you I don't even know and it's but I'm gonna do it because it's the least I can do since I'm not there to help you win now motivational team talks are not really my thing I'm usually I'm demoralizing but I'll do my best I'm jealous of you all uh but a lot of you right now I'm sure are kind of regretting this moment you're getting ready to play and you're thinking what the fuck have I done I'm fat I'm old I'm weak I'm ugly um I was never even good at rugby to begin with uh what the hell am I doing here? And you're right. You shouldn't be that. Like, I'd love to offer you hope, but the reality is this is going to be bad. This is going to be really horrible. It's going to be not going to be a fun time. You're going to tear things, snap things. Uh, Your knees, your knees are going to be fucked. (laughs) Um, And it's only going to get worse tomorrow. You know, after you sleep, like that that's going to be the worst day of your life. You're going to be hung over and your body will not, your body will not only have not repaired itself the way it used to, it will actually have degraded even further. And you may never recover. Um, but the great thing is, right now, it's scary and this is going to happen. But in 80 minutes, you'll be done. And it's over and you don't have to do it ever again. And you can learn from this and you never play rugby again because you shouldn't be doing it now. And that will be great. So just hold on to that thought that it will eventually be over and you will be able to forget about it to some degree. Um, And good luck. I'm sure you're going to (laughs) win. Dear, dear. Wow. But that's that's what I, Eddie had to say. There was some decent bit. There well, was a it was a whole bit of decent bit. But like some of my favorite uh, my favorite words in there. He singled me out specifically. Um, he kind of said we were going to be shit, and then said we were going to be good. Exactly, almost exactly at the same time. But thanks for that, Eddie. Much appreciated. Shame you couldn't make it. Um, Gosh, you still sound absolutely fucked. I mean. <laughs> I am a little bit. I was saying, I was just saying before we start recording that I, I, I had a headache still until about lunchtime today. Um, and I'm not, I, I'm still trying to work out whether that was um, the alcohol that I drank on Saturday, where I will get into this. Phil specifically tried to fuck me up. It was it's not his, entirely true. Well, it felt like it. Um, or whether it was the uh, the knock to the head that I may or may not have taken, if you're listening, Josh Gardner, which you're not going to be listening. Um, but I definitely didn't take a knock to the head. He'll be too t- too busy taking a bath in Native Americans' tears. <laughs> it, I also, during said head knock, did not feel like my eyes were pointing at 10 to 2 and um, definitely didn't need saving from myself. Uh, ben, I don't Russ, know whether you agree or disagree with that, but you were, the, you were one of the first people to see me immediately they, after said incident. They couldn't have yeah. been pointing at 10 to 2 because your face was 
pointing directly down for about two minutes. <laughs> I don't know whether it was two minutes. Yeah. You literally got up, looked at me, and I was like, get off. <laughs> <laughs> the substitute was already on the pitch waiting by the time you stood up. Oh, wow. I mean, like I said, I don't remember too much about it, but... It was one of those things, you know. It was only a, it was only a matter of seconds. It could only have been. He got quite cranky about it as well, dear listener. It, 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 well, I'm not sure we all succeeded in our duty of care to our fallen comrade. <laughs> because if I'm not sure, it's in many medical textbooks that the first thing you should do after receiving a pretty obvious concussion is. <laughs> Pop triple brandies down your throat. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's wasn't that, that was that wasn't the first thing he had a can of cider before that? Oh yeah, it was the can what? of record. It was the can of it was the can of um Raul Moat cider I was offered literally well, as I sat foot of the pitch. Wasn't that the the actual prescribed medicine for about five hundred years though? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it might well have been. That's an interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Um. Let's let's get down. Let's get down to the important business. Uh, we we took on St. Austell, uh second team, who when they rocked up. I mean, Doug, you you weren't sure all through the week. You did some research on St. Austell. You kind of scared yourself into a little bit of thinking these guys are going to be really good. Um, well, they weren't not good, Russ. No, no, no. Um, you know, they weren't not good. That's that's a fact. They were a decent outfit. No lie. I mean, one of them turned up with a foam roller and yeah. a protein shake that was, well, in a bottle bigger than my head, which is quite considerable. Um, they had all sorts of banging tunes on before the game. They went out super early to warm up. And, you know, as they were doing the warm up, they looked pretty impressive they looked young they looked fit they looked strong lots of tattoos and um manicured beards and um yeah floppy hair a bit like the I team we played like one of week. my observations was that they managed to do three back run throughs without knocking the ball on which is the first time i've ever seen that amateur rugby yeah i know uh, you know that that may or may not be true I, I didn't see that but fair play they, and then they were doing line out drills they were doing team runs all the while we were just kind of chucking a ball about maybe having a little game of touch um, trying to work out who was, who was playing where because certain people hadn't turned up and some people were late. Uh, how many people didn't turn up, Phil, that were meant to turn up in the end? Four people still haven't turned up. <laughs> Four people still haven't turned up. That's so poor. It's flipping awful. Name and shame. But, um, to be, oh, I haven't got my book with me. Um, to be fair to uh, to the forwards, they did try some line-out moves with about half of the starting pack. And Tim had them, Ben's brother had them doing like triple dummy, diversionary tactic moves, people dummying, going up in one place, then running around somewhere else. And I just hobbled over to him and said, Tim, we're just going to put you up at two. I don't know why you're doing any of this. <laughs> you're just going up at two. Judo can't throw the ball more than four yards. So it's it's not even getting to you. It was, it was impressive. For, for those that don't know Judo, this, he was the hooker. And I arrived roughly the same time as him a bit late because I was still in bed sleeping at 10 past one. Why is that, Doug? I, um, 
I was asleep because I'd had too many beers the night before, really. Um, so decided to have a, a nap and uh, didn't wake up on many, time. Is um, it too many beers or too many wings? Well, I don't think they're mutually exclu- exclusive, Phil. No, true. Fair point. Um, but yeah, so I turned up at the same time as him and Phil said, sumo, go and get changed. You're starting hooker. And his words to me were, I wish I hadn't come. <laughs> uh, he, did, he did pretty well. He did fine. Everybody, it's just we every, didn't really, we didn't really did have a line out well. for that first for that first half, considering we had one of the most, one of the best line out forwards that I've maybe ever played with. Um, but we but we got there right. So we we watched we watched their warm up. We all felt a little bit intimidated. We all you know everybody had a little bit. Well, not everybody. Um, a lot of the a lot of the players, you know, it was all very sort of ragtag and, and bobtail, because we were a, an outfit that was fairly thrown together out of the depths of nowhere. Um, but it was an unbelievable performance. I mean, for for what they offer, Ben, like how would how would you sum up if you were to sum up in a, in a few words? How would you sum up? The uh, the invitational per- sides performance. Um, it was uh, it reminded me a little bit of the the president's speech in Independence Day when he when he says we will not go quietly into the night because I think our average age in the bats was thirty nine, um, but somehow we managed to produce some actual rugby out of uh, out of fresh air and and I think. We probably, other than the first 20 minutes, completely held our own in that game. And we actually, we actually won the second half. Um, you know, and, really? yeah, we, we, seven, five, seven, five, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, because I gave Johnsy the kick, even though he missed it, because I'd already written it down. Oh, did oh, he miss oh, it? Johnsy, he missed it, yes. Yeah, we, did, we did force their kicker into drop the goal. goaling it, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. bullied him into that. But um, Which was my best best moment of the match because I I heckled him into just taking a drop goal and then everyone else joined in and, and he took the drop goal because he was waiting for a tee to come on. And when he missed the drop goal, I shouted back to him, should have got the tee on, mate. Just me? Uh, just, um, I mean, at the end of the day... It, as Doug said before we started recording, there were a lot of good players in that side and us three. Um, <laughs> d- defensively, and- I've, I've, I haven't seen a second team defend like that ever. Like the, the first 40 minutes, uh, I think we had the ball for a considerable amount of time, maybe two or three times. They had a lot of possession. And like bearing in mind, nobody knew each other. We had people come down from Stroud. We had... I don't know, where did where did Arch come from? Archie lives um, Bristol. Bristol, like people who literally never set eyes on each other before the game started, and yet they defended in a really organised fashion. And St. Austell were um, blowing themselves out fairly hard. They were. I mean, organised is organised is a word maybe that I wouldn't use. I would say dogged, Com- committed. We, committed scrap i mean we scrambled there was a couple of times and, and fair play their nine 
was was pretty he was pretty sharp wasn't he in comparison to a lot of us uh, yeah. Well, and I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to sing, but it, well, it was. It was until after you know, until Dave came on. Anyway, um, yeah. But like, I tell you what. I, sorry, Russ. Sorry. Go on, mate. Go on. No, go on. No, no. I was going to say. I was. I was saying when I when I got subbed off, and I said to Mark too, the um, when when um, the last fifteen minutes of this game could get quite ugly for us. And I, I was actually surprised because what I think happened was they were just beaten up and didn't have any energy either. Yeah. Well, um, I really we, expected um, them to, to pull away in that last sort of 15 minutes. We, we brought a couple of bodies back on as well who made a big difference. One of, one of whom w- will be listening to this at some point. Like Frank, when Frank came back on, he made a hell of a difference. Mate, let's let's talk a, for a minute or so, or maybe even longer, about the guys that that came down. So, first of all, there was there was Archie, Paul Archie, who was our sponsor um, from Nexus. He used to play a bit at seven. He started out he started out really well until he actually was blowing out of his ass. Uh, he got two or three runs. as well, didn't he? At one and point, he came back. One of his favourite moments was when he came back onto the pitch after his little rest period in the second half. And he took a crash ball and got absolutely marmalized <laughs> by, by one of their players. And, you know, as much as he, it was one of those things that he enjoyed and hated in equal measure. And uh, so, but he really loved it. Right? I've had a, I've, I've spoken to him today. Um, we had, a, we had a good catch up and stuff and, and it was amazing to have him on board. I'm hoping he's keen for next year. So, We'll we'll have a little chat about that, you know, if we as and when we come to arrange Mallover Invitational Mark Two next year, we'll see what happens. Um, and hopefully Nexus and, and Archie can get on board. Um, the second person that I wanna that I wanna shout out is Chris Jones. Turned up <laughs> randomly, well, not even randomly. Like he always said he was coming on his own from Stroud. What an individual, by the way. What an a guy. absolute unit as well. A behemoth. <laughs> like an absolute unit. And at one point, when we were doggedly defending for our lives, um, I think he single-handedly manhandled at least three of their players. He suplexed one of them at one point. That, I'm that, sure yeah, he absolutely ragdolled someone, didn't he? That was so funny. I was watching that on the side because I was... I'd been unceremoniously given the hook by our team manager. <laughs> and, um, the the <laughs> I just felt so bad for the kid that he did it to. <laughs> it was just so emasculating, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was like you know, like um, like Mortal Kombat or um, oh god, no, oh, what was the what's the character in um, Street Fighter? He's just suplex people. Is uh, it Blanca? Yeah. He yeah. just literally. He, he missed the perfect him until like next week. There's a reference <laughs> for you. If you remember a certain, he used to do a lovely suplex, Mr. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so, but and even better was his performance post-match. Um, oh, geezer can sup. The geezer can, can definitely sup. And um, I'm proud and privileged that he came down and that we got to meet him. And it, what just what a great guy. So, Jonesy, I know you'll be listening. Thank you so much for coming down and you're always welcoming Cornwall. 
for uh, for more games and more beers whenever whenever the, the mood suits. Uh, the third person I'm going to thank and I'm going to single out for some um, praise is Franco. Frank Rigdon, who's in our uh, who was in our fantasy um, rugby draft group, who has been a long time follower and a long time listener of the podcast. Um, another gentleman who downplayed his ability on the rugby field. Um, oh, five, you know, giving uh, himself the first five minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you out what he said to me when I asked him um, about where he plays. Uh, what position do you play? I haven't played in a decade, to be honest. Played most positions in the forwards, but I'd draw the line at tight head. Um, in the row then. Yeah, that's fine. A 90s-esque work rate lock, though. None of this Itoje nonsense. That's how he described <laughs> And I'll tell himself. you what, I'll tell you what, not a truer word spoken. It was it was a, a Danny Grucock-esque. I, you know, I think you're playing down his offloads. Um, just down by their try line, right at the end in the lead up to our try. Mate, it, it was, was uh... brilliant. I mean, I, I I can't downplay that, Ben, because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't remember it. You were unconscious, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, he was br- he was so good. And for me, he I think he was our man of the match. I genuinely, if he didn't have to shoot off afterwards, he could have done all the drinking because he <laughs> was fantastic. And I think, you know, he loved every minute. He came with his friend on Friday night um, and we'll get on to it in a minute. We, we sat and watched the Quinns-Bristol game together, all of us, which was an absolute delight. Um, uh, but yeah, Franco was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I just hope he, he enjoyed it as much as, it, as he appeared to. Um, and the last person I'm going to thank for travelling um, and just coming down and being a, a general menace as well was uh, Matt um, who helped out and did all the recording, all the live videos and stuff on the day. He was Phil's glamorous assistant um, on the touchline. There's lots of, I've, I've watched some of those videos, but I mean, I didn't watch the whole 40 minute live back, I must admit, but uh, I skipped through it. And uh, some of the commentary on the sideline, some of the conversation between Phil and Matt and some of the subs was, you know, stuff that you'd only ever hear on the sideline of a second team rugby pitch. And it was it was absolutely superb. Um, I hope Matt had an amazing time in Cornwall as well. It was great to meet him and, and another absolute legend of a bloke. Absolute top draw. He's, so he's an interesting one, Matt. In that, if you just look at his uh, his persona in uh, in a group chat, you could quite easily write him off. But hidden beneath <laughs> that is an absolute. An absolute gent under the facade of a dick. Um, I mean, I love that. Although, how he got away with not having a drink for being not only the biggest man there, but also the youngest and still not playing, I have got no idea. I mean, there's a lot of people that got away without a drink, Ben. (laughs) Um, Not that I'm at all bitter about it, but there seemed to be quite a lot of, well... Quite a lot of shade thrown in my direction, should we say? Like, like that there was some kind of agenda. But again, we'll we no, may so, come on to that. So it it would have been all right, Russ. You would have coped quite happily with what I had planned for you, if St. Oster had not chosen you as man of the match, and then you had to do the man of the match drinks as yeah, well. Did, did they ask that guy who drunk the whole bottle of port to choose man of the match? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it was an odd choice. Did they, did they have so, a bottle of port for them as well? 
Yeah, I gave them a bottle of port and uh, they refused to drink it. So they made one sub drink the entire bottle. Brilliant. I can't believe they refused to drink it, but you know, that's, know. that's life. Uh, we're playing rugby. We can't drink port. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a straight, it was a strange choice nonetheless. Um, yeah. And, and not deserved by me. Um, I'll tell you who didn't deserve any man of the match for this either. Um, was Perry. Now, for those of you, for those of you that have listened to podcasts <laughs> previously, Perry is one of the, you know, he's a he's a fantastic rugby player. He's a great guy, but his hamstrings are basically made of tracing paper. And <laughs> whenever, whenever I've, I've been anywhere near a rugby field with him, he's barely like I mean, he it was a miracle that he he got through the warm-up. Um, he did oh, he, say, he, I mean, he did say, Ben, if, if I remember, remember rightly, that he that he tweaked it in the warm-up, but he was all right. And um, He lasted seven minutes. Seven minutes. Again, and what to be another fair shame him, as well, because he looked like a decent player. Yeah, oh, he, he can play, mate. Player. Definitely can play. Um, he, he did make it back on at the end, didn't he? He, he did, yeah. Yeah. He came, he came back on purely because... Uh, he didn't want to be drinking too much. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I'll get on and limp around, but yeah, just because I don't want to start drinking too much. did for 40 minutes. Yeah, you were limping a lot, Ben. Yeah, my um, my left leg had given up the ghost. Uh, um, but what Perry's injury did allow us to do was bring Johnsy on very early. Um, <laughs> and Ryan is a phenomenal rugby player who... Got a welcome, a really, really kind welcome to the game from Doug. Um, <laughs> his first, his first piece of action was to pick a ball literally off of his toes, and welcome, Brian. Deal with this, which I'm sure, yeah, like, it would have been. It was my worst pass of the game, and it was literally the first thing he had to do was, <laughs> yeah. But, but mate, say, he got Johnsy back later with the. Um... Uh, Jonesy back later with a pass that was four foot over his head. Yeah. Biggest guy on the pitch and the ball's nowhere near him. So, but there, there were lot, there were lots of things like lots of really good performances. Chris, uh, Chris McArdle, who was brilliant, who's you know still got a lot about him. He took on a lot of carrying duties. Um, he um he came across to me. He was like, "I'm done. I'm absolutely spent. I've got to come off. You got to get somebody else on." And I was like, okay, let's get somebody else on. And then the final whistle went. It was the <laughs> um, The other, another notable, so there's Monkey Dave, who scored our our try, who is an absolute menace. He replaced uh, Doug pest, in scrum half. Total pest. Uh, he is the stereotypical. he's a bit naughty on the, on the beers as well. He yeah. didn't, I, I think he has potential to be a bit of a wrong one, right? Stereotypical Welsh scrum half. He's just a horrible little man um, on the pitch. Lovely off Welsh, of it. Welsh scrum half from Devon. Is he? He yeah. sounds Welsh. I don't know which part of Wales you've been to. Fuck no. See, <laughs> why did I think he was Welsh? There we go. Fuck, sorry, Dave, if you're listening to this. I've called him Welsh. That's, that's horrific. He might not be and listening. And also, the other player on the pitch smaller than me. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, uh, other than um, 
Mike Cash, our re- replacement hooker. Oh, who had the most obscene shorts? shorts. <laughs> <laughs> they were absolutely ludicrous. Oh wow! Um, they, they I've never bad. seen. I've never seen someone with about fifteen-inch thighs bulging out the bottom <laughs> of shorts before. <laughs> um, uh, another notable performance, and uh, Ben. We've we've bigged up your brother quite a bit on this podcast previously, um, and he's known to pull out the odd special piece of player in there, but he pulled out a fifty-yard cross-field perfect spiral kick outside of the boot. Like we won't talk about my kicking, but we'll talk about Tim's or mine because oh yeah. <laughs> we, will, <laughs> we will talk about yours. Talk about yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I can't like I've I've never oh well in second team rugby I've not seen a kick like that and all George Ferris had to do was catch it and it was try time catch it and fall over catch it and just get to the try line and it, it wasn't it, it was it came to him at nipple height it was perfect height it, there was no it, jumping it, no slowing down it went it went in he he caught it and then it just rolled round his back and dropped on the floor. But um, I think I think we probably could tell Tim was in a mood to enjoy himself when off the first sort of section of play of the game, he just picked the ball up by one hand and held it by the point and chipped it into the corner. Um, it, it wasn't going to be a, a conservative performance, I don't think. No. And for all of his reticence... You, you know, like when you said last week, oh, yeah, five minutes. But when he starts playing, you will not be able to get him off. That yeah. was exactly what happened. He, and, he's a bit of an, an enigma, right? Like, he, he looks like he shouldn't be good at any sport. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the high jump. But fuck me, he can play rugby, can't he? Mate, he's so good. Jesus. Um, and fishing. He look, he, I bet he's good at fishing. Oh, he's strong, and he? he he's just <laughs> strong. He's just a farmer. Strong farming man. Um, <laughs> and he uh, he could probably throw a cow off a bridge. <laughs> Not that he wants to, of course. Um, I will, uh, oh, I'll keep mentioning people now. This means that probably nothing to the people that are, that are listening. But, <laughs> yeah. um, PZ is just an unbelievable player as well. He, he he just keeps going. He's like the Duracell buddy. When you think, just when you think that he's completely gassed out, he'll have another run and it'll just, you know, he tackles, he runs. He, he, it was brilliant. Um, but the, fi- the final outcome, that this Austal side that had been battering teams uh, in previous weeks, they played, I think they played Launceston second. So Launceston are in, National three, maybe, or Southwest, I don't know, Southern counties or something. They're in a they're in a big league anyway. They this and Austal side beat their second team by about 60 points. They beat well uh Weybridge Camel's second team by about 50 points. Um, they turn up to play a bunch of old men who have barely ever played together before. Um, and they beat us 19-5, which is a phenomenal, were- phenomenal effort. I don't think that they were expecting what we gave them, which was, I think we, we, they, I don't think they were that happy. We beat them up a little bit in a rugby sense defensively, 
And you see, like, when teams, they just attack in it and they 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 almost gas themselves out. Because as you say, quite rightly, Doug, I think we were all expecting that last 15, 20 minutes for them to just run away with it, just go, you know, just get on their toes. They saw we were knackered and run away with it. But some heroic defence, some fairly smart play here and there. And we stayed in it. We were always in the, we were always in the game. Like they scored that, that last try. Um, and we went straight back up the other end and we were stood on the, within their 22 for the last 10 minutes. Again, from what I can remember. Um, <laughs> and, and then we got our just rewards and, and I'm so pleased that we managed to get a try at the end because it was it was what we deserved. We we deserved not to be nilled in that game for the absolutely heroic effort. So um for me, I know I said thank I've said thanks on Twitter to, to a lot of people, but thank you to everybody that supported us. Thank you to everybody who came. Thank you to to you guys, thank you to the listeners. They just that a big thank you. I don't want to name people individually again. Just thank you to everybody who's ever been involved in anything to do with this podcast, because it was quite a proud moment for all of us. I think it was for all of us when I said it was quite a proud moment to see like loads of people there on the bank, on families and people having a drink afterwards. And, you know, it, it felt like a really, really nice atmosphere. And, you know, that's that's down to that's down to all of you guys. So thank you very much. Um, just um, just one last bit of rugby from from the all over game. Yeah, we uh, we we alluded to it, but then we never really got into it. So about oh, what sixty five minutes into the game, um, we were camped on their twenty two. Ball got spun out to the left wing, where a certain Mister Douglas Andrews was playing. Got the ball one on one with the winger and decided to think he was Lewis Resamit or uh, <laughs> Marcus Smith, and chipped the ball straight into the opposition's hands. Not so, the, talk, not talk the man who I was one-on-one with. Like, you're doing me a disservice here. The, their scrum half read it really well and got across. You may as I well didn't have punted see it, cracking mate. across. You what? You may as well have punted it. It went miles. Did not go miles. It you was a superbly it. weighted dink, and it landed just outside their try, just outside, outside their try line. The scrum half read it and covered it. But where, but where were you? Passed it to him. Well... The winger I was up against was enormous and I didn't want to run into him, quite simply. Um, and I wasn't going to run around we, him because I'm old as fuck. Complete this this um, common rugby uh, tactic. Chip and... It's not, it's, not chip, it's not chip and stand still, is it? It's well, not chip yeah, and no, walk No, I backwards. chipped it and then was so amazed that it went over him. It, it kind of stunned into to motionlessness. That, that winger was big, to be fair. <laughs> But, uh, I'm, I'm, well, uh, what, yeah, while we're talking about great, kicking, it, yeah, what, yeah, Russ can, kicking penalties for negative yards. I, I'd like to talk about the field goal challenge. Okay, let's 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 move on. So after after the game, I mean, you know, this was after said um, may or may not have got a blow to the head. Uh, now, now we know no, why no, you've been no, talking no, about his head injury. No, Here we go. No, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to use it as an excuse at all. Well, you already um, have, mate. Well, no, I'm just, just providing context. Um, thankfully, uh, we managed to get hold of a set of, a set of rugby pads, of rugby pads, American football shoulder pads, 
and a helmet, which I donned for the Long Snapper podcast uh, charity challenge, of which I was to do a field goal with uh, whilst being charged down. Now, for those of you that watched the video, um, I think you'll all agree that the first attempt was, you know, was pretty unlucky. The first time I've ever kicked an American football, um, whilst those people were ludicrously close to me. Let's they were that. regulation distance. They were not regular, and I didn't have an O line to, to to keep to to block them. Yeah, away but they were either. on a delay. They they were on a delay. Just they like were, they, they weren't you know, on a delay. They, they were they were yeah, but they didn't do as they were told. Um, anyway, again, no excuses. The first attempt was a was a decent strike. It just slid past the uh, the right upright. The second one, the less we'll talk about that, the better. Then Doug had a go. And obviously he scored because that's the type of little prick he is. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the outcome of that is I could still be an NFL kicker because I watched a lot of red zone last night and there were a shit ton of kicks that were missed last night. Extra points and field goals. It, mate, I'm, I'm not sure the lesson should be that you could be an NFL kicker. I think the lesson is that I ought to be. Well, I think with a little bit of practice... I would, I would, I would do it. And next time we do the ball over Invitational, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it further, and I'm going to do it better. I, I don't think you will because I saw you kick all the way through that game, and you were terrible. I was terrible <laughs> at kicking a ball on Saturday. That is a fact. At it's one the, point, I did take time a penalty. I've seen a, it's the only time I've seen the linesman set the line for uh, ten meters back for a penalty. And then have to go back towards the ball to mark where the line out was. Yeah, it was bad. It was it was a literal shank off the outside of my boot, off the outside of my boot. I don't even know what happened. It was just bad. Yeah, Could but I, if if it was just one, then yeah. But it yeah. wasn't just one, was it? Happened it twice. Yeah. It did, yeah, twice. I've got no excuses, mate. I don't know what you want from me. I want you to uh to keep keep telling me how shit you are at stuff <laughs> <laughs> okay well i can continue to do that that's not a problem um so yeah more over invitational 2021 um we at the present time on our just giving page and we're still taking donations have raised the grand uh the grand total of um about 1100 and something pounds let me just get on the page it's 1100 and and that's not loading that's cool it's great radio it's, this it's I think great it's 1145 11, pounds um with some donations to come from all of from three of us plus um the sh- some shirt sales and match subs from the weekend uh, that Phil, you've totaled up. Um, yeah. And I've also got a couple of spare shirts left over that we're going to sell as well. I've got a bit of interest generated in those. So that's good news. Um, so all told, I'm confident that the whole event will eventually raise just over £1,500 for rugby against cancer. So um, it's an amazing amount of money, really, considering... Um, considering we're a little small tin pot organization and uh, we put on a little rugby match. So I'm, I'm proud and I'm pleased that we've been able to do, we've been able to do our bit. So yeah, well done to, to us and well done to all of you. 
Um, do you want to talk about some Premiership rugby quickly? Should we talk about um, the absolute ass in that Quinns gave Bristol on on Friday night? Because, I mean, the best thing from that game was the amount of chicken wings that were consumed, right? <laughs> I mean, absolutely inordinate amount. There were there were certainly chicken wings consumed. Once I get going on the chicken wings, mate. It, it's... <laughs> was it... Was it the tenth or the fortieth that made you want to order some more rust? <laughs> I didn't eat. I didn't eat forty chicken wings, mate. Mate, I reckon no, you, you split, did. I reckon you, you split did. 40 between you, and then you ordered thirty more. <laughs> and Perry and Doug. Let's not just put it down. Well, there were seventy between the four, three of us. Yeah, and, and me and Perry are only little. Yeah. All right. Well, I ate a fair amount of chicken wings. Right. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's break that back. But what what was more impressive? than my ability to eat chicken wings um, was Harlequin's sort of performance after that first 20 minutes, because almost in a repeat of the semi-final last year, they started with good old Tommy Allen in at 10. Um, they were 21 nil down, uh, not really looking like they were in the game. Marcus Smith come on because Tommy Allen got injured and literally like somebody flipped the switch they Harlequins caught fire and they were well borderline unplayable. Um, you could argue that Bristol played right into their hands, but like they were they were showing the type of form that, that took them to the premiership title last year, Ben. Well, we said as we were watching it, um, after Quinn scored a, a, a couple of tries, they were still behind and they had a um, scrum on the five meter line and attacking scrum and as Bristol sort of prepared for the scrum you could see that they were just completely blown and um, Harlequins smashed that scrum and then a scrum a little bit later they completely pushed them off the ball in midfield and by the end it almost became a little bit like the game we were expecting when we made our run out in that you know Bristol were so far off the pace that Quinns were pretty much rushing it in at, at will. That You know, if that scrum I mentioned on halfway, they pushed them off the ball, ran down and scored. And then off the um, kickoff, the winger just ran in a straight line and ran through three tackles. And, and it was only called back by a, a forward pass. Um, you had, you know, the, the dummy try by Collier, the prop, which was, you know, it was that decent was, play. That was disgusting. Like, But, you know, Harry Randall was going to buy that dummy, whatever happened. I didn't um, find Harry Randall did not fancy Will Collier in that situation. I know um, feels. Yeah, I, I don't 100% blame him either. But, um, you know, and, you, and, and even that try by Smith, brilliant as it was, probably wouldn't have happened if it was still 5 all. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned Smith was brilliant and, and, and Don Brandt has got a lot of headlines. I thought um, the 12, uh, the South African, whose name I'm bottling, um, yeah, might been, yeah, might have been the best player on the pitch. Thought he was brilliant, and you know the 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 back three were pretty deadly as well for Quinns. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really know what's happened to Bristol. They just um, they they look like well, as George mentioned on Saturday, they didn't have any preseason games, and that's what they look like. They look tired and short of ideas. They um, also look like they've got they've got a soft set. I've I've thought this about Bristol for a little while. They they lack what I've always used. I've always used the phrase dog 
right? Yeah. They they lack that they, that ability to. They really remind me of um, it out. They remind me of Cipriani era wasps. Yeah, you know they they play, score some lovely tries, win a lot of games, but if you put them against, you know, with wasps, it was always Saracens um, of the time. Was only ever one winner. Um, so, so fairly on in the Quinn's revival, they they were still there was still a bit of something about them. It was it was more kind of technical weaknesses. They were the outside backs were all biting in too early and leaving space out wide. Um, Harry Randall, which, which Quinn's weren't doing. No, Harry yeah. Randall as a as a guard at the side of a ruck. Well, he shouldn't be there in the first place. Um, and then the last 10 minutes, Christ, there was, there was one time where I think it was off a line out um, and it might have been Esther Hayes or it might have been somebody else took the ball on a fairly hard line and there were three Bristol players there and I'm pretty sure they were all forwards pretending to make a tackle and he made about 10 yards through contact and you go, you guys don't want this. They're, they're, their heads are gone and their hearts are gone and they just didn't want to get involved. Um, and I mean, Christ, that's that's toxic when it starts showing through a, on, on a first team game on a Friday night. Yeah, and they they showed it a little bit on the analysis, didn't they? But they they were they were really easy to defend against. And Quinns did the, like a lot of teams make the mistake of they they kick to Bristol a lot, and Bristol on the on the kick return are really dangerous. Obviously, Piatau in space is going to cause you problems. Quinns didn't kick the ball to Bristol almost at all. And when Bristol tried to run it back at Quinns, they just kept getting turned over because they didn't have the variety in attack. They tried, Callum Sheedy passed and kicked it all the time. And it was really easy to read. So where Bristol have had the, the, the likes of Randall and he did it um, in the first half, didn't he? He sniped around the breakdown and got through, where there should have been a guard. As soon as Quinns got better at putting their guards out, they were as soon as that ball went to Sheedy's hands, they were up on the outside and they were they were forcing Sheedy into doing stuff that he didn't necessarily want to do. And they didn't give Bristol any space. And I think that shutting shutting them down by not giving them that ability to find Piertau to get the ball wide. Bristol couldn't they couldn't they couldn't cope with it and they couldn't find a way around it. And if you look at Bristol's like ball carriers, like they had um, fit, they had Fitz Harding, they had um, uh, Vui, Joyce, you know, they, they didn't make a lot of impact. They couldn't cross the game line. So they weren't getting front foot ball, which meant it made it more and more difficult for them to go anywhere. And, the likes of Esther Hazen and Don Brandt and, um, oh gosh, oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, Kenningham, who I thought was actually had another excellent game. Um, they were just able to give Quinns good go forward ball most of the time. And Bristol just did not have that. And, you know, I, I just, as I say, I think Bristol have got that really soft underbelly. I mean, and they struggle to to dog it out and, and shut it down when it needs to be shut down. I I also think without um, Randrada and um, the two Saracens players, they haven't got nearly as much star quality. 
as as they did last year. You know, it, at times it was um, bordering on the sort of unfair, you know, what they, they had to bring on. Whereas now, I think they've retreated into the pack. Obviously, you've still got Pierre Tao at fullback, but but like you say, they, they Quinn's didn't really let him into the game. And then after that, it, it's all fairly vanilla. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, I don't think they're ever going to be the worst team in the league, but I think they have gone back into the sort of chasing pack again now. Yeah, I agree. Any other any other thoughts on on Bristol and Quinns before we uh, before we move on? Oh, just that Pat Lamb looks a little bit broken now. Uh, yeah, I was going to say much the same thing. I I, I think they're. Um, I think that he's finding out that teams in the Premiership are a bit more savvy than teams in the Pro Fourteen. Yeah, I wonder whether I wonder whether you you know in you know they say in like NFL terms when they have their their season when they have their window to to win something. I wonder whether Bristol's win like with Malins and Earl last season with you know a fully fit Radrandra with Piatau whether last season may have been their window and if they'd beaten Quinns in that semi final that that was their time. <laughs> And nobody was expecting them to lose to Quinns in that semi-final. And it's just shell-shocked them completely. Do, do you think, yeah, I, I was going to say, do you think that it was a bit of a double sort of hit for them that they, they got beaten at their own game by Harlequins in the last game of last season and then got beaten up by Saracen, uh, Saracens in the first game? Um, and it's almost like, you know, that's demoralised them because, you know, they're, they're almost thinking, well, we're not the best at either way of getting uh, either way of playing at the moment so how are we gonna how are, how are we gonna win so are they still looking for you know plan a is chuck it about but what what is their plan b and which plan should they go for well when people like say when teams don't kick them the ball i mean saracens kicked it but they kicked it properly and they kicked it with yeah. purpose like they are so used to teams putting so much pressure on teams with their attack that when they kick it back, they're able to just exploit that open field. Saracens didn't, when they kicked it, they didn't give them any open field to attack. Yeah, they um, chased it so well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I just wonder whether that counter-attacking style that Bristol, that's, that Bristol tried to employ is, you know, it, it was definitely negated by Quinns on Friday night because they literally didn't kick them the ball. So, you know, you, you're taking out one of their major major attacking weapons straight away because they're turning defence into attack is what, what they kind of do best. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I know we've said this many, uh, many times before this season is this is going to be potentially the most competitive and, and with teams beating each other all the time. So who what, we can only wait and see. Um, there are a few other games on Saturday, but none of them were as important as the uh, the Invitational. So we'll kind of skip over those. Exeter beat Worcester in their uh, their NHS kit game. Exeter bought by the likes of Cowan Dickey and Simmons and Johnny Hill um, into their squad for for Saturday, and they looked, you know, after those two opening defeats um, from some of the highlights, Exeter looked unbelievable. A couple of tries for for Sam Simmons in that one. Um, Gloucester. Adam Hastings, um, refugee uh, Hastings, scored a, uh, a drop goal, first drop goal in the Premiership this season to uh, to help Gloucester beat Sale. Um, there again, Sale are another team that, 
you know, a bit hit or miss, uh, which which you all enjoy for for your mate Sanders and Doug. Um, Nick Dolly scored again for Leicester as they beat London Irish 16-21 and um, Saracens beat Newcastle 37-23. Sunday was Wasps against Northampton. Now, I was absolutely rotting so hard yesterday that I (laughs) I couldn't bring myself to do anything other than coach the under sevens at 10 o'clock yesterday morning, which was not fun. Um, and then had a little nap. So Doug, you watched Saints, you watched your Saints go to, to Coventry um, and not really play very well. Uh, started off all right, but then did, did your typical Saints thing and shat the bed. Some of the most mindless penalties I've ever seen. Uh, and that's saying something for this Saints team. Some, utterly mindless penalties given away and and it seemed like for a, a period of about 10 minutes in the second half we every time we went to a ruck we just gave a penalty away it was honestly I've, I've never i've never been so frustrated watching saints i don't get frustrated watching rugby it's pointless um but i just i couldn't help myself on, on this occasion it it was oh god it was so stupid um, in at the side, lying on the ball, swimming up the side of uh, malls. Um, ju- just idiotic. Um, but that's Saints rugby for you, and that's what you're going to get if you if you support Saints. You you're going to get games where you think, "Wow, this is incredible." I, I quite enjoy being a Saints fan, and you're going to get games where you're like, "What is what is the point?" I might as well go and watch Cobblers play. It's interesting. I know you, you mentioned you may have mentioned on the on the um, on text about Craig Maxwell Keys. I've seen people on Twitter wasps oh, fan, seen yeah. wasps yeah, fans yeah, complaining I, about him, and they won the game. So it's. I'm uh, not going to say anything about that because obviously for, I want a job. Yes, that's fine. Um, I think he's a brilliant ref. To his defence, um, TMO was trying to talk up into a red card. Uh, Is that the old grey? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was, um, that was so, a stunning decision. Like I've, you know, Rowan Kit was trying to push it up to a red. And he was like, well, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to give a yellow. Yeah. I, I, from what I could see, he hit, he hit the guy straight in the chops and I've seen Off the red ball. cards given for way, way, way less than that. Um, yeah, now we we we've always said we've always tried to say that we we will back referees' decisions. He made the decision, and we and to be honest, we all four of us have sat on this pod and lamented players getting sent off for very similar things. So as a Saints fan, it would be disingenuous of me to say that that should have been a red card. I'm actually happy that it wasn't, but given the context of the game and given how many times we've seen lesser incidents given red cards you have to question the process is the process at fault because some referees look for ways not to give a red card and some people some referees their entry point is red card and then talk down from there now if his entry point was red card and there was mitigation then that should be a yellow but from what i could see there wasn't mitigation so but his entry point was yellow. Do we need to upgrade it to red? Now, 
I've seen Barnes will go in and say, right, is it a red card? No. Here's why it should be yellow. And it seems like that process is is fudged at times. And there's no two ways about it. It is fudged at times. But let's go back to what you said. I think probably most people would like, would be happier with that being yellow than being red if you take away any context of the game and the situation. Well, the thing um, is, that was dealt with at the time, right? So they had that conversation, at, they made that decision at the time, and now he's yeah. being, now he's in front of the sighting commissioner. So yeah, what, what's and, the fucking point of that? And as, that was going to be my point was, I, actually, weaker refs would have quite happily have got bullied into uh, into making that a red. He, he'd made his mind up, it was a yellow, and he stuck to it. And good on him for doing that. I've Yeah. I think he he took the role as the referee and didn't get bullied by TMO. Yeah, you you can see why directors of rugby get frustrated when should Ogray go in front of the sighting commissioner and now get a retrospective ban. That incident may well have led to a change of outcome of that game. Now, you could argue that Saints compounded all of their errors over and over again, and so perhaps they wouldn't, but the momentum of the game shifts. Well, but um, at, at that point, O'Grey goes off, Ludlam scores. It's really Northampton's game to lose at that point. Well, it they was, had, and they still they managed had, it because they then managed to give away a ton of points. They get, gave yeah. away something like eight penalties on the, on the banks. Yeah, through just, but and, do and they have all, a different mindset if they're not trying to force the game because they've only got 10 know. minutes? I don't know. But it's it was all really stupid ruck infractions. Yeah, that that that's the larger point. And you got to live with these decisions and you, you would yeah. say that Saints benefited from one the week before or the round before with that um, Courtney Law's no-arms tackle that was should have been a penalty that would have lost them that game. The bigger point yeah. that Saints have to understand and try and get around is that they are giving away too many penalties and too many stupid penalties in situations that don't need to be given away. And... You, you need. I, I want to understand why they're doing it. Now, I don't understand if they're doing it because they're try. Their their whole game plan seems to be that they really attack hard off of turnover balls, so they're really trying extra hard to win those turnovers. Are they trying hard to win those turnovers and actually getting it wrong and costing the team? Do they need a little bit of balance? And I, I think. You know, as much as I hate people that talk in questions, my answer to all of my questions is probably. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, let's uh, let's move on. Um, let's move into some any other business, unless you've got any more rugby-related stories to tell. Right, um, Doug. Any other business? Should we just come back Why to Why is it always me first? It's not. It's, I make a point of it now because you always say, come back to me, come back to me. No, um, just just uh, a fantastic week. And Russ, you know, we I tried to say something um, uh, pissed on Perry's chips at the MOI, but uh, I was a bit pissed, so it didn't come out right. But mate, with without you, we probably still wouldn't be podcast. We probably, we almost certainly wouldn't be podcasting we probably wouldn't have had a all over invitational. Um, so thank you to you personally for 
keeping this little band of idiots together and making everything work and bringing a bit of joy to, well, a lot of people's lives on, on the weekend. It was um, really appreciated and uh, you should know that I certainly appreciate it. I'm sure Ben and, ben and Phil do too. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. That's cool. Ben, anything from you? Uh, no, I think you've heard enough about our lives today. So uh, just echo what um, Doug just said. I think, you know, it was a brilliant weekend and uh, it was pretty much uh, your idea and your doing. So um, well done. And um, let's hope we can get another one next year. Cool. Thank you very much, Phil. Uh, yeah, I have nothing to add to that. Well <laughs> awesome. done, Ross. That Thank was, you. That was well easy. done, everybody else who came down. I'm this, just, we're not going to be this nice to you ever again. No, I know. Yeah, I that's know, it now. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to make the most of it. But, like, genuinely, you know, I know I've said a lot, of, a lot of thank yous, but genuinely, I don't think it could have gone any better. The weather was perfect. There was plenty of people there, and everybody had a great time. And what was, what was even better about it, we had a game of rugby. We did what we said we were going to do, other than Phil being injured two weeks before. We all got on the pitch together, pretty much. Um, and we all had a really good time afterwards. Like, yeah, we raised we raised a lot of money for a really, really good charity. Um, and, you know, we all had a really good time doing it. And that's that's what's most important, isn't it? So hopefully we can do it again next year. You know, we'll uh, we'll try and arrange something special and we'll we'll see if we can make it a little bit better somehow, a little bit bigger somehow. You know, who who knows what we can do, but let's let's try and do it again next year. I tentatively started looking at um, more over invitational ties today <laughs> for next time. And if you want a shirt, message me. If I've got any left, yeah. And I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna look into getting ties that we might be able to give out as prizes for listeners and stuff. Oh, more over invitational ties. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Imagine like just more over stash. Yeah. Well, uh, we can get it from the malloveshop.com. Yeah. What would some of the phrases on T-shirts be? I mean, according to Eddie, it'd be you fat, bald, ginger cunt, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just on a T-shirt. <laughs> Mallover phrases on a T-shirt. I just like it when they kick it, really. Concussion doesn't <laughs> concussion doesn't exist. Um, or just one that I, just says 6-3 on it. <laughs> I, for one, want a sex whistle T-shirt. <laughs> Just says, get off, Mrs. Piper. <laughs> Stealing a living. Should get, yeah. should Stealing get ben a living, a, yeah. Should get Ben a t-shirt that says, I for one want a sex with sort of t-shirt on it. Yeah. Um, or, maybe we should get a graphic designer. Perry's a graphic designer, right? Yeah, sure. he does. Come up with a logo for Rhinax Wine Racks. Yes, and Dave Ribbons Rave Ribbons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Cock and a singer. <laughs> <laughs> amazing right let's get out of here because people are probably fed up by now so we'll see you all next week um with some premiership rugby perhaps or more boring chat about our lives so uh thank you very much <laughs> and go well Podcast Network.